Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I am one of the pastors here, and we are super glad that you are here. I am more excited than usual here because today we are launching into a six-week journey where we are going to explore and study and experience the Holy Spirit. I thought it would be fun to start today off with a video clip from Alpha. That's a course that's designed to help people understand who God is. You get together, you have dinner together, and the dinners are centered around a discussion topic, and it's all big questions like, what is the Bible about? Why do people go to church? Why do bad things happen to good people? So Alpha, the makers of the course, went around asking different people from all kinds of backgrounds and beliefs, who is the Holy Spirit? Let's see what they had to say. I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, uh, it's... Uh... God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. They're all like a trinity. Angels? I don't know. It's, it's God. I think the Holy Spirit is different for everyone. Wouldn't that be your conscience? Huh, I have no... I don't really have a... a Lana, I don't know. I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I mean, I don't know. Third person of the Trinity? Um, the Holy Spirit? I've never even really put much thought into that. All right. So I do think that if we were to go around our community, outside our walls, maybe sometimes inside our walls, and ask the same questions, I think we would get a lot of similar responses. There's a lot of confusion and mystery around the Holy Spirit, and it's not just people who don't know God. A lot of Christians are confused about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit, and I think that's because in churches— they generally talk more about God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and sometimes the Holy Spirit is just like an afterthought tacked on to the end. And maybe some of us have confusion about the Holy Spirit because we've had negative experiences with how churches deal with the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, I've had those. Maybe you or someone you know was told, unless you speak in tongues, you can't really be a Christian. I went to a school that taught me that. Or maybe you've seen emotionalism and manipulation around the Holy Spirit. Uh, all of that can lead to confusion around who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. George Barna heads up the Barna Group, and that's the equivalent of the Gallup organization, but for Christians. They do tons of nationwide and international research. And they say 62% of Christians in the U.S. no longer even believe that the Holy Spirit's a real being. They see the Holy Spirit as a symbol of God's power and presence. And that is not historically Orthodox Christianity at all. That's not even in the ballpark. And so I want to start by being really clear about what we believe here. As a vineyard church, as people who take the Bible seriously, we believe the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three are co-equal and co-eternal. And so we have a triune faith, which means we believe in one God who is expressed through three persons. And each of those persons has unique roles and responsibilities working together in harmony, in unity. And so we believe in the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, at the same time, everybody here in this room is on a journey, right? We have different levels of understanding and comfort with any idea, and I don't think there's anything that everybody who goes to this church all believes the same thing about. And so I just want to invite you to participate in this journey for the next six weeks, where we're going to study and explore who the Holy Spirit is. 
And I'm actually going to do an announcement that we didn't get into announcements in time. So this whole series was put together by The Vineyard. It's by far the best quality series we've ever received. Uh, if you want to, I had friends tell me after first service they're going to. There's videos of six of the best speakers in the entire vineyard uh, doing each of these six messages. They send us the transcript and the videos. And I had to cram 14 pages down into 10. That was more work than maybe a normal sermon even. Um, it's just really clear, simple, quality, high-powered stuff. I love it. And they're offering workshops each week to go along with the message that's happening on Sunday. And so we asked the folks that are in What the Bible, which is our midweek group that's been watching Bible Project videos, um, could we open this up to the whole church and spend the next six weeks doing these workshops that the Vineyard is offering that go along with the messages. And we got a unanimous yes vote, and yes, anybody's welcome to come. And so it's, you know, 12 to 18 people most of the time, and not everyone shows up every week, and you would be very welcome to join us this week from 6.30 to 8. Childcare is available on Wednesdays, and so you can bring your kids, and they'll have a good experience too, and your youth, because youth group's happening. And we would love to have you come with us as we kind of dive in and test drive this stuff. All right? Uh, we're going to discover more of the Spirit, and we're going to discover that the Spirit is more than we previously knew. Whether the Spirit's new to us or whether we've been around for decades and the Spirit is something we're super uh, comfortable with. The Spirit has a lot of roles in our life, and that's what this series is organized around. The Spirit is a revealer, an empowerer, our teacher, our helper, our comforter, and our partner. And so each week of this series is going to be on one of those roles the Spirit plays. We're going to take a week off in the middle for Mother's Day. Justin Law's mom, Mary Ann Law, is going to preach. She just agreed to this yesterday, so don't tell anyone it's a secret. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you make it here on Mother's Day. She raised a oh, fantastic son, and it's not by accident. She is so fantastic. All right. Um, I hope you'll be with us for all seven weeks of the series. And I'm going to pray now and just invite the Spirit to be our teacher today. So, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Would you come? I believe you're delighted that we're taking time to study you and know who you are. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come have your way. Give us ears to hear God and take away any confusion we have. Break it down in the name of Jesus Christ. Together we say, amen. And so we're going to start by looking at the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and we're going to look at some of the words and pictures that are used to describe the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit is ruach. That is the word for breath. Every breath that you take, that is ruach, in and out. And when God gave life to Adam and Eve in the creation story, God ruached into them. God breathed God's Spirit into them. And then in the New Testament, which is almost entirely written in Greek, the Holy Spirit is uh, expressed using the word pneuma, which actually also means breath. And as we know, breath is foundational to literally everything else that we do. Whatever your priorities are, if you lose your breath, you're going to have a new priority real fast, right? I woke up, I have a throat problem I've been dealing with for a year. I woke up one night unable to breathe. It lasted for about a minute. It was wow, can I remember physically that minute. We can't live without the Holy Spirit. The word used to describe the Spirit is an expression of how foundational the Holy Spirit is to our spiritual life. 
And throughout the Bible, you see these very vivid descriptions that are used to compare the Holy Spirit to. Sometimes the Spirit is described as a wind or as water or as a dove coming down from the heavens and landing on Jesus or as fire, all very vivid images. But it's important to realize that although these comparisons are used, the Holy Spirit is a person. In the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, you find the Holy Spirit. In the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22, you find the Holy Spirit. All through the middle, there are all these experiences of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1, we see that it, the Spirit creates the material universe. In the beginning, the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. In the book of Judges, which is mostly a story of how terrible human leadership can be, there's this amazing and good ruler of Israel. Her name is Deborah. The Holy Spirit came on Deborah to lead the nation of Israel. The Spirit comes on Saul and anoints him king. In Joel, which is one of the later prophetic works, the prophet writes that one day the Holy Spirit will be experienced universally. And that's partially fulfilled in the book of Acts, a famous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where people from all different languages heard Jesus being preached in their own language. In the New Testament, it says that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. It says it was by the Holy Spirit's power that Jesus was able to live a sinless life, not a sinful life like I told first service. All right? It's by the Holy Spirit's power that Jesus did miracles. It's by the Holy Spirit's power that Jesus is raised from the dead. He is risen indeed. The Holy Spirit's all throughout Scripture. And so we want to discover who the Holy Spirit is. Now, if you were to ask me, Pete, how would you describe the Holy Spirit? I would say the Spirit's the part of the Trinity that connects us here to the love and power of the Father and Jesus Christ. The Spirit's the one that we experience when we have any revelation of God's love, power, and presence. And revelation can happen in two ways. Revelation can happen when we understand something we could not understand before. An idea comes into our mind that, aha, I, now I understand. Revelation can also be a literal, physical, living experience where knowledge moves from our head into our body, our hearts, and our lives. That is also revelation. Diane Lehman used to be one of our regional overseers in our part of the vineyard. She's still very much active in ministry in Urbana-Champaign, Illinois. She wrote a little book called Hello, Holy Spirit. It is a great book. If you want to do some extra reading to catch up on who is this Holy Spirit, I highly recommend this book. Here's how Diane writes in her book her answer to the question, who is the Holy Spirit? She says, he is not a ghost, an impersonal force, or an elusive power out there. He's neither a doctrine to be studied nor a distant deity to be feared. He is a person to be known and loved. He is God himself. He is one of the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. He's God's gift of himself to each of us. He makes the Christian life indescribably beautiful and a fun-filled delight. I love this description. The Holy Spirit is God and a beautiful, fun-filled delight at the same time. Now, you'll notice Diane Lehman uses the word he as the Spirit's pronoun, and if you're real sharp, you might have noticed I haven't used a single pronoun for the Spirit so far. It's because the Bible contains both male and female references to the Spirit of God. 
And church tradition includes both male and female references for the Spirit. I got pastor friends who only use she for the Spirit. I got pastor friends who only use he for the Spirit. Uh, my experience of the Spirit has been I do not detect a gender at this time. And so I just refer to the Spirit as the Spirit, which I like better than the impersonal it, because the Spirit of God is super personal. Anytime God has stepped into my stuff, that's been the Holy Spirit at work. And so I handle this by just referring to the Spirit as the Spirit. Your mileage may vary, whatever works for you. Today I'm going to focus on one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit as revealer, the Holy Spirit as the source of revelation. The Spirit loves to reveal, to uncover, or to unveil things that are hidden from us. The Holy Spirit specifically loves to reveal God's nature of goodness and love. And one of the Spirit's primary jobs is to reveal the real and living Jesus Christ to us today. We can hear a lot about Jesus who died long ago. We can think a lot of things about Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit who brings the revelation of living Christ into our minds and into our hearts and lives. One of the Spirit's favorite jobs is to reveal the living Christ. And that means that each of us, no matter what stage we're at in our faith, whether you're here visiting and this is all brand new, you've never been a Christian, you've never followed Jesus, or whether you've been following Jesus for like a minute or two. Who can I look at who might sum that up? I don't know. No names named today. All right. Uh, no matter what stage we're at in our faith, we can know the Holy Spirit as a revealer of who God is. When we come into relationship with God, we experience something Jesus called new birth. And when Jesus used that term, it really confused people in his day. And they asked, how are we supposed to get a new birth? We're going to climb back up and get reborn again? And Jesus said, no, please don't be ridiculous. And here's how he replied in John 3, 5 through 8. He says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but it is the Holy Spirit that gives birth to spiritual life. And don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it's want, just as you can't hear the wind or can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So Jesus says you can't get into the kingdom without being born both of water, which is how we've all been born, and is also a reference to baptism, and also without being reborn of the Holy Spirit. And he says it's the Holy Spirit who is the agent of being born again. That means that when you come to know Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Spirit who draws you, helps you to understand what's explained to you, and makes known to you what you did not know before. That's the Holy Spirit working in you to experience a revelation of the nature of God. And so if you have said yes to Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit who helped you get there. And that keeps on going once the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us and we come into a relationship with Jesus. We need revelation not to stop. It does not take very many days of being a Christian to know we are still confused and we still got some problems. Could I get an amen, please? Anybody confused and got some problems? Anybody? Right? Yes, lots of us. We have all kinds of limited or wrong thoughts about who Jesus is. We got all kind of complicated life situations where the Bible, maybe if I squint right, might have something to say about it, but sometimes I can't tell. It is the Holy Spirit who helps us refine and change our understanding and our experience so that we can understand our Father, God, 
who Jesus Christ is and who we are and how to live. The Holy Spirit's a revealer who's always revealing. Jesus talks about this gift of the Spirit in John 16. He's telling his disciples, I'm going to go away from you for good. I have to leave. And his disciples are completely freaked out. They're like, oh, no, 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 don't go. What are you talking about? We're going to take over the world because they don't understand at all. And Jesus says, listen, it's actually better for you if I go because if I go, I can send you the helper who is going to be an amazing gift to you. That's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the Spirit is better than having Jesus Christ physically present with us right now. He continues in verse 13 of John 16. He says, When the truth-giving Spirit comes, He will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on His own, but only what He hears from the Father. And He will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. He will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. And that is why I say the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. So that's a beautiful picture of how the Trinity works together, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see in that relationship, the Holy Spirit is the revealer. The Spirit shows us Jesus, who reveals to us God. Jesus said the Spirit will also prophetically reveal what's to come. And when that happens, it is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And so they're all intertwined and intermingled. The Spirit reveals Jesus, and Jesus shows us the Father. And I love the nickname here, the divine encourager. God wants to encourage you. If you need encouragement today, God can reach you through the Spirit of God. We would love to pray for you at the end of the service to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to give you what you need in order to live the life that you've got. And God really cares about doing that for you. And our prayer team's fantastic. Jesus said, if you have seen me, and by me I don't mean me, I mean Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So Jesus reveals God's character. And what the Holy Spirit is known for doing is bringing to us everything that Jesus reveals so that the Father will be known to us too. The Father sends the Spirit who reveals the Son who shows us the Father. Now some of you today have never had a revelation of Jesus that is something we would love to pray for you to receive at the end of the service today. We want the Holy Spirit to show you who the true and living Christ is. I have had two really strong visions of Christ in my life where I'm just praying one day and I have this random experience of Jesus and I see Jesus in a new and different way. In the first, it was basically a robe with hands and this face that glowed so bright I couldn't see anything. And I felt this warmth and love and welcome. The second vision I had was just the chest of Jesus, naked and crucified to the cross, but coming toward me with arms wide open to hug me, even while being nailed up. I can't explain to you why either one of these was so incredibly meaningful to me, but I can tell you, in both cases, I sat and thought about those things for months 
and years, and they continue to sit with me today. I felt a lot of comfort in seeing Jesus in a new way, and a lot of, wow, Jesus is super real and right in my face, even though he has been resurrected and is living in heaven. And so it is my prayer for you that today and through this series, God will give you a revelation of Jesus Christ, a new realization about Christ in your head, and a new experience with your eyes and with your body of the reality of the resurrected Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at Acts 8 as our Bible text for today. It's about a guy named Philip, an ordinary but faithful servant of God. We meet him earlier in the book of Acts when the apostles are preaching and they're doing these powerful miracles. And while they're doing this, they're giving away food because that's one of the jobs of the church since the very beginning. And as they're giving away food, the Greek-speaking widows are being passed over in favor of the majority culture Hebrew widows, okay? And so we got discrimination against a minority group in the very first era of the church while the apostles are still alive. Is anyone surprised that discrimination would happen in the church? You shouldn't be, right? What is the most segregated hour of the month? Sunday morning, right? And very often in the church, we struggle to make real the one tribe, one t uh, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation that the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. And so even in the early church, this is happening. And the apostles realize, how many people know this is a potential church wrecker? My grandma's not getting food. How many people know that's going to wreck the church, right? That's like a real, how, how much of a problem would you have if grandma came to the church to get food and she got told, nah, we gave it to all the majority language people, right? And so the apostles realize we need someone to run this thing because we're busy doing all this teaching and teaching the Bible and miracles are happening. And so they say, we want you to pick a leadership team of people full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. That's the only two things that they ask for leadership. And so they pick these seven leaders. Every single one of them has the minority culture name, language. Every single one of them is from the minority culture. When the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit raises up oppressed people and gives them leadership and real power. That's how God works, right? And so as this is happening, Philip is one of the volunteers who are chosen to run their food program. How many people know we have a food program here? It's called Loaves and Fishes. We have this extraordinary chef who I don't think made it today, which is fine because she'd be mad at me for saying this. Mona is as full of the Holy Spirit as anyone you could ever meet. If you do not have a revelation of the resurrected Jesus Christ during this series, ask Mona if you can hug her. That's as good as it gets. That woman's an incarnation of the Spirit on earth here. Four nights a week, you can drive up and get a free meal for you and anyone in your house or family. Just by driving up and asking, they'll bring it to your car. Or you can be bold. You can step out of your car and into the building. And you can eat that meal along with other people. Just because that's one of the things that God loves to do. Our volunteers and our lead chef show us what the ministry of people filled with the Spirit of God can look like. Serving. Okay, so Philip's chosen to run the program, but eventually... All this persecution happens to the Christians in Jerusalem, and they're driven out, and they head over to Samaria. And when they get to Samaria, Philip starts to preach, and he starts to pray for people. And guess what? The power of God shows up. The Holy Spirit comes, and people are healed and set free, and demons are cast out. 
And Acts 8.8 tells us there was great joy in the city because of everything God was doing. When the Holy Spirit moves, that's God working. And then the apostles, Peter and John, come, and they lay hands on people, and it says they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that point, an angel shows up and says to Philip, you need to go 60 miles south on the road to Gaza. That's by foot, okay? That's we need you to walk halfway to Duluth, okay? And Philip listens. He obeys. If an angel shows up and tells you to do something, what should you do? There's a whole book called Jonah. You should do what the angel says. Okay, otherwise it does not go super good. He obeys and he heads down the road and while he's traveling, he sees this distinguished looking man in a chariot reading a scroll. In a chariot is like being here in Invergrove Heights and seeing somebody drive by in a Lamborghini real slow with the wings up, right? He comes to find out this man is actually an Ethiopian eunuch. The Old Testament requires that Philip would have nothing to do with this guy because he did not have anything to do with eunuchs in the Old Testament. And he is a chief financial officer of Queen Kandaki, a legendarily famous ruler that we still know about today. And so this eunuch is a really big deal in an important country. And he was reading a passage from the Bible that he could not figure out. Has that ever happened to anybody in this room? You read the Bible and you're like, what did that say? And you read it again and you're like, still not clear. I need a Bible interpreter or a pastor who knows more than my pastor or our intern, Sandy, who speaks Greek and Hebrew or reads them. You know, someone really wise to come help. Let's look at what happens when Philip partners with the Holy Spirit, the revealer. We're going to start with Acts 8, verse 30. Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, one of the books of the Old Testament. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this, and this is from the book of Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? Painful line for a eunuch to read. For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. This passage is in a suffering servant uh, portion of Isaiah, which talks about the coming Messiah who's going to set people free. And so as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. This is a story of how the Holy Spirit's a revealer, and the Holy Spirit's woven all through the story. The Spirit speaks to Philip through an angel. Listen, you got to go 60 miles away to that guy. And when he goes, he finds this eunuch who's confused about a Bible passage, and Philip is able right in the moment to explain the good news of Jesus Christ. God came to earth because God loves you so much, God wants to fix everything that gets in between you and God. And the form God took was the form of Jesus Christ, who lived and taught and demonstrated the powerful love of God. And when people put him to death for telling the truth and having power, God raised him from the dead, and all who believe him are going to do the same. He got to tell him the good news, just because of this passage in the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit, the revealer, who is an agent of new birth in this eunuch's life. 
Where has Christianity existed the longest in the entire world? Ethiopia is the correct answer to the question. It's the only place where Christianity goes all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the time of the Bible stories. In that moment, the eunuch decides, I got to be baptized right now. I got to show that the old me is dead. I want to rise out of the water, made new and filled with God's Holy Spirit. We're going to have a water baptism here in July, which is the only outdoor baptism we do every year, right? And some of you are going to have that moment where you decide, I want to make a public declaration that Jesus is alive and Jesus is the Lord. I want to go into that water and let go of my old life. And I want to be born in water in the Spirit into a new life. If you have come into faith with Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit has made the truth alive in you, just like the Spirit did for an Ethiopian eunuch over 2,000 years ago. Now, if you want to look at more people who have Jesus open their eyes, you can read all of Acts 8, 9, and 10. It has story after story of the Holy Spirit making Jesus known to people. And the result is crazy because when Jesus gets hold of your life, things change. Could I get an Amen. When Jesus gets your life, things change. And the good news is not a one-time thing. You don't just know the Holy Spirit as revealer the first time you get to know God. We know the Holy Spirit as a revealer all through our lives. Think about your life. How many of you are confused about something right now today? Anybody but anybody. Yeah, we got a lot of confusion in this world. This world's really difficult. The Holy Spirit wants to bring clarity where there is confusion to uncover and unveil things that are previously unknown. And sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to prophetically tell you where to go and how you can partner with God. It's amazing how often the activity of the Spirit in my life is something I didn't expect. And my prayers very often go like this. God, I have this horrible situation that's really killing me. Would you please do something? And God says, I want you to go do something else that's totally not related to what I say to God. Happens all the time. The Holy Spirit knows what we need and knows where we need to go. And we usually think it's right here through this massive problem. And God usually thinks, how about getting up a little earlier and reading your Bible in the morning or something like that? Who knows what it is? I don't know what it's going to be for you. I'm going to tell you a couple stories from my own life because it's helpful to hear people's stories of what the Holy Spirit does and what the Holy Spirit's like. Um, your stories will vary, of course. When the chips are down for me, especially about something that affects my life and most of it, I ask God to speak. I have a list of five things I don't do without God saying something. That's date someone, marry someone, move, change churches, or change jobs. Those five things, i got to hear something from God. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. So my last career, I was working at the University of St. Thomas in Web Systems Administration. And... I asked God to reveal the way forward to me. I really wanted to be a pastor, and I didn't see how that was going to happen. The church did not have much money at the time. I think we sent out three church plants in three years, and we grew from 250 to 100. And uh, I had this dotted line boss um, who I met with every week, and one of the questions me and my regular boss would ask is, uh, how am I doing? And every week she said, great. And then this uh, vice president asked how I was doing, and she said, I have a lot of problems with that guy and proceeded to just like ruin my reputation. And we had this new director, and he decided to make me his personal project to get me so miserable I would quit. Just this unbelievable list of persecutions proceeded to happen over the next six months. And I told God, God, you told me to come to this job, and I'm not going to leave if you don't tell me to leave. I know that the last thing you told me to do is the thing I should be doing. Can I leave? <laughs> and for six months, God's answer was either silence or no. And it was real hard. I was like, my stomach hurt all the time. I cried in bed sometimes. I was just like super miserable. 
And I kept on believing God was at work. And guess what happened? If you've ever worked at a university, you know this is a divine miracle. He got fired. You know how hard it is to fire someone at a university? You have to shoot seven children in order to get fired from a university gig. And apparently, um, I was not the only person he was persecuting, but I did wind up meeting with HR to talk about it. He would come into my cube and make off-color jokes about my coworkers that I liked. I mean, swear about the people I connected with. He was really awful, right? He got fired. And my reputation got completely restored. People saw how I handled myself during this six months of being persecuted. And River Heights actually did this like fundraising thing where they asked people to give a little extra money for six months so that they could hire me half time because they thought that might be good for the church. And there is no way I could have worked for $10,000 half time and provided for my wife and our new kid and all those things, right? And I asked St. Thomas, um, could I stay part time employed here? And they said, you know, we've never done that, but let us think about it. And they came back and said, here's the deal. You work half-time, and why don't you just work remotely, because it's going to be a long drive and you're going to have another job. And how about we let you keep full-time benefits? And you can have this for six months. We'd love for it to be a year, but we'll just ask you every six months if you would like to continue working here. And this changed my life. This is actually what made it possible for me to start becoming a pastor, which was the call of God on my life at the time. I endured a lot of misery because of the Spirit of God and made it into the best thing I've ever made it into in my life. That was a long time ago, let's put it that way. Uh, the Spirit's also been a big part of my recovery from the challenges of going through a divorce and a pandemic at the same time. I do not recommend either one of those things. Piling them together is a terrible idea. Toward the end of both, I was full of self-doubt. I felt like, how could I possibly still be a leader? I was completely debilitated, full of anxiety and fear. And one day I was getting prayer after the service here, which is the number one place that I encounter the Holy Spirit. And a person on the prayer team says, God wants me to tell you he loves what you're doing. And I felt God smile into like three different areas of my life where I felt like I was just flailing, doing the best that I could. And I felt like God say, I approve of the job you're doing in these things. And it was so different for me. It was something I had never heard or felt from God before. And it had all this divine power on it. And it washed over me. And it washed away a lot of the anxiety and the fear that were really holding me back. And it empowered me to get back to doing my job as faithfully as I can, as well as a couple other things. God's used the Holy Spirit to speak into my life and help me to live forward. He's prophetically told me where to go now because that's what's going to turn out well in the end. God wants to prophetically reveal the Father's heart and the best ways to you as well. God cares about your deepest needs and your wants and even your frivolous desires. And the Spirit wants to reveal God's ways to you. And so what I'm going to do is ask you to stand as you are able and the worship team to come forward at this point. We're going to enter into a time of worship where I'm going to invite the Spirit to come more fully. We are on a journey for the next seven weeks, but we want the Spirit to reveal Jesus to us right now today. We want to see Jesus, amen? amen. And so right now in a posture of receiving, you know, I'm going to lead us in prayer. I came up and got prayer first service, and it was fantastic, including some like prophetically revealed direction for the way forward that I did not talk to this person about. And so I just want to suggest 
Today is a great uh, prayer team. Did I mention the prayer team? I feel like I did. Thank you, prayer team. I love you guys. Can we get one or two on this side, please? If you have ever been on the prayer team, now would be an awesome time. Love you. Thank you. I like, I like how the guilt piles up at exactly the right time. Three people sprint. Nice job, folks. I love you. All right. Let's pray together, folks. Let's bring our expectation and our faith to Jesus. Let's see how God's going to respond today. Holy Spirit, come. You are our keeper. You are the keeper of the vineyard, of the whole church, of every church around the world. And we thank you, God, for wanting to reveal things to us right now, for wanting to clear up our real confusion, for wanting to uncover and unveil things that we did not understand and did not know. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. We worship you, God, and we ask you to reveal yourself more fully. God, fall on your kids, everyone in this room, just as you did for the Christians who came before us. Reveal yourself to the young people in this room, God, to all the kids and all the youth. Send us your dreams and your visions. And we ask especially, would you show us Jesus in a new way today? The real and living Jesus coming to you again. have something for you to read, pray, and do to put the Word of God into practice as we receive it this week. Tip number one this week is to read Acts 8. You can read Acts 8 through 10 if you want more stories of what the Holy Spirit does. Tip number two is to pray the central prayer of the Vineyard Movement, Holy Spirit come, and pray that as often as you remember for it to happen. Pray that in your challenges at work. Pray that in your anxieties at home. Pray that in your joy as it warms up after the atrocity that happened last night. Holy Spirit, come. And tip number three is ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you. That could be a revelation that comes to your mind as you understand Christ more fully. It could be a revelation that comes to your eyes and your heart and your body as you have a vision of the living Christ. Either way, God, would you reveal Jesus Christ to us? Would you give us the strength to come to you, to ask you to come to us? Would you help us to open our hearts to shed resentment and anxiety and fear and bitterness and unforgiveness, all those things? And would you give us whatever you have for us, God? Would you come to us and be generous to us again? Amen. Uh, the worship team will lead us in our closing songs and communion. The prayer team is here to pray anything that you would like to have prayed for. At the end of the service, the team will let us know when we're done, and I would love to meet any newcomers. Uh, out by the doors as you exit. God bless you, friends. Come and receive prayer as God leads. Amen. Do come forward and get prayer as we sing. <laughs>